Later this episode, we're going to be talking Halloween, and I think we're just going to go spoiler from the jump. So, yeah. uh, if you don't want to be spoiled, I would say turn away now. Get, get out, you be spoiled. Uh, if, you're, if you're interested in hearing about this movie and you haven't seen it yet, go fuck yourself. <laughs> okay, all right. But, First of all, according to the box office results, everybody has seen it. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everybody's seen it. That even said, you don't have to go fuck yourself. You can just pause the podcast, see the movie, and listen to our thoughts later if you want. <laughs> no, I'm don't. not. I'm not mad at anybody who didn't see the movie. I understand people have other things going on in their lives, or maybe they just don't like paying the current theater prices. I understand all those things. Even my mom went and saw it in the theater, and she never goes to see movies in the theater. Yeah. Brian's mom went to see it. Go fuck yourself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so at the top, I will say I had a horrible theater experience. So that may have uh, uh, influenced some of my enjoyment of the movie. I do want to go see it a second time so I can watch it without all the distractions because fucking people are idiots. Yeah. Huh? I was like, everybody was real behaved. Well, good for you. You didn't have two people sitting behind you having outside voice conversations about stuff that did not involve the movie that I had to shush uh, twice. Not, not for this Halloween movie. Have I told you the story about going to see H2O? No. Okay, so me, me and my friend go to see H2O whenever, like, opening night, and he's a huge Halloween fan, and he also is a giant fucking almost seven foot tall rage monster. Uh, that dude has the worst fucking temper of anybody I've ever known. Did yours and, have the uh, trailer for the remake of Psycho before it that scared the shit out of me? I think so. That sounds familiar. It's just the trailer, like the little green screen <laughs> pops up, and then it just sits in black for like 15 seconds, and I'm just like, uh, so did like the thing break, or kind of what's going on and then all of a sudden the shower scene music just blares through the theater as the screen like starts like strobe lighting white and black back and forth right and i was like holy fuck i'm having a stroke i'm gonna die so so we go in we sit down right and the theater is almost completely empty for some reason which cool good for us right so the first thing that happens is two huge tall motherfuckers sit down directly in front of us in the giant empty fucking theater so, little pissed off. We're like, fine. We get up, we, you know, and we move away from them to better seats where we don't have these people's giant fucking heads. And we sit down. And uh, <laughs> I hate bringing race into this, but but two giant stereotypes walk into this place. Uh, these These two black ladies sit down behind us. And proceed to talk through the whole fucking movie. The whole fucking movie. Like, non-stop, loud fucking shit. And, and I'm sitting there like, oh, God. You know, guy and I keep looking over at my friend waiting for him to just fucking lose his fucking shit on these ladies. And finally, it gets to the point in the movie where uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis accidentally shoots LL Cool J. <laughs> and no joke. 
they stop talking and this lady stands up and goes mm bitch you shot ew, ew. <laughs> and it was the funniest fucking thing i've ever heard in my entire life <laughs> like it saved that whole movie cuz i'm not a huge fan of h2o but because of that, I always have fond memories of it because of the crazy lady who was complaining about Jamie Lee Curtis fantasy shooting LL Cool J. All right, so that's your experience from 20 years ago. How did the experience from this weekend go? Let's Very skip pleasant. what happened in between. Uh, pleasant. I, I thought, it was, like I said, everybody was pretty... I went to a daytime show on the weekend see see thursday screenings are what worked best for me and for those that don't know we we actually record the show on thursday nights it seems like in the weird turn of events they started releasing movies on thursdays now and nobody goes to thursday screenings so i don't know why they keep doing it but every time i go it's nice and quiet and people are not obnoxious uh there's a lack of children so i always have a good time but i was like eh, we're gonna go on friday it'll be fine and it wasn't it wasn't fine people's phones were going off people checking their phones people like i said sitting directly behind me in my ear having conversations that i had to shush twice and then by the end of the movie they still didn't stop uh a kid sitting behind amanda who was with the people that were talking kept saying is that is 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 she is Lori his mom? And then like, oh, he's trying to kill his mom, like the whole movie. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, dude, shut up. Who so, brings yeah. a kid that little to that kind uh, of not only that, someone's baby started crying in the middle of the movie and they did not take them out to the lobby. Oh. Yeah, that's the kind of screening I went to. Yeah, you should have killed those people. <laughs> it would have been what justified. What about you, Doug? Really- How was how, how was your how was your screening? Uh, it was yeah, it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't bad. It, was, it wasn't that there bad. There were some kids beside me that kept talking, but they were actually doing like the oh my god, what's around the corner kind of talking, which is which still is annoying, fine. Yeah, which I can get down it with. Wasn't it wasn't fine, but it wasn't as bad as what you're talking about. I think yeah. I saw one phone screen in the whole movie. Ugh. All right. Well, that's all I wanted to talk about. So we'll see you guys next week. We're talking about. No, go ahead. <laughs> I thought maybe we could talk about what happened in the movie. Oh, you want to talk about the actual movie? I thought um, that'd be fun. You know, do we do well, that around here? Not really. it's, wanna, it's mostly politics and other bullshit. You want to do a quick uh, synopsis and then uh, jump into some of your favorite parts? Uh. 40 years after the first Halloween, Michael Myers breaks out, steals his mask back from some podcasters who have it. Conveniently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, accidentally kills a whole bunch of Lori's granddaughter's kid friends. Uh, then his current doctor goes nuts, tricks him into going to Lori's house. Ugh. So Lori can blow up the house with him in it. Yeah. It's a bit more complicated than that, but yeah, it's. How do we feel about this new doctor and the fact that they literally put the joke of, oh, you're the new Loomis into the movie? It was fucking terrible. Yeah, that was terrible. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it was one of several plot lines in this movie that just shouldn't have been there at all. Yeah. Um, really? I didn't mind Crazy Doctor. Well, but you but you like bad movies, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I'm not making a joke. That was on the record saying he likes bad movies. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the record right now and say that this movie, lots of fun to be had with the kills and stuff. Objectively speaking, a bad movie. It was, really? It was poor storytelling. It was... There was just... I, I completely disagree with you. Right, You're just proving Doug's point. I, I, have, I have notes. We're getting into this. Because it's been bugging me. All right, I, I'll go on record saying that uh, like I thought it was fine, but I don't think it was any better than most of the other Halloween sequels. And th- and that's so, sort, of, sort of where I'm at is like yeah. it was it was okay, except it was arrogant in the sense that it literally has characters on screen talking about how stupid the Halloween sequels are, mm-hmm. then proceeds to borrow plot points from all of those other sequels, <laughs> and you're like, no, no, no. You can't say those are bad movies, and then like it, they they're literally talking about how stupid Halloween Two is in this movie, and then they steal the fucking ending right to using the dialogue from Halloween Two in this movie, <laughs> just having a different character say it somehow fixed the whole problem. No, like you can't do that. So that 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 really bugged me, but that's film nerd stuff. There's other like more pressing issues within the movie that are problematic. Um, All right, so no, so Noah, I'm going to assume you're on record as you as you decide, exasperated that uh, you really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I think it's probably third best in the series. Mm. It's obvious. Mm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it's as good as the first one because that would be fucking idiotic. Yeah. And I personally really, 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 really like Halloween too. I like Halloween too as well. As do I. And I, I'm kind of torn as to whether I like this version of Halloween 2 or the original better. Because I think while most of Halloween 2 is awesome, some of the interjected shit they tried to do to like tie everything together better was fucking stupid. Which the stuff they're making fun of in this movie, that stuff is fucking stupid. It really was. Like... <laughs> Like it was fucking. There was no need for it. Why? Why fucking add all this? It, it's like six. Why fucking add all the weird shit? There's no need. But you're sitting there saying that. But then you're sitting there defending the doctor twist in this movie, where the doctor who has been watching Michael Myers for the anti Loomis, yeah, something in like forty years, all of a sudden becomes a murderer for like literally in this movie. And this is where I say there's bad storytelling. He gives a speech which gives you the hint that maybe he wants to kill people. Then he kills a guy, then he's killed off all inside of three minutes. That's his whole storyline. And we're like, what no, like first of all, that's bad storytelling that if you want him if you want that to be a plot twist, you do it over the course of the movie, not all inside of like one conversation. And secondly, you can't say that like the, the plot twists in two are stupid, but then this one isn't. Yes. <laughs> I mean so the the doctor, they pretty much make it known from the very beginning of the movie that he's a bad guy. Like, I don't I don't understand how people can say that there's this weird hard twist on it. You know he's a bad guy from the very beginning because he's fucking all Michael Myers horny. 
from from the beginning of the movie. It's the so Loomis in the original movie is afraid of Michael Myers. That's his entire thing. Like, I think he finds him fascinating, but he's afraid of him. Like, and this guy is clearly not afraid of Michael Myers. He's just super Michael Myers horny, which I'd agree with. But sure. I don't know if I don't know if that's a direct indication that he is willing to kill for himself just because he wants to know what it's like to feel like to kill somebody. Yeah. Because he's fascinated by it. Really? Cuz I thought I thought from the very beginning of the movie the big reveal was going to be that he killed the guards at the beginning to let Michael out. I thought that was going to be the whole thing. But and that may be what happens cuz they never explain how the yeah. bus crashed. Yeah. So you, you can and I've heard other people that say they think that that doctor did that. The only reason I don't think that that's correct is because of how excited he is to kill that cop later on. So my assumption is that that's his first kill. Yeah. But well, well, yeah. Like I, like I, I said, I just thought that was going to be the reveal, but that wasn't the reveal. The reveal was, of course, that his, his Michael Myers horniness is driving him to be a, a crazy person. And then he quickly learns that being a crazy person does not make you as good of a killer as Michael Myers. Yeah, because he gets his head stomped on and it explodes. Which yeah. that part is pretty cool. Yeah, I, but I, but the story the story leading up to it, I agree, dumb. Yeah, like with with the kills, we're kind of bouncing around here, but with the kills, I do think that a lot of them were fun. I just think a lot of them were Jason Voorhees kills, not Michael Myers kills. I yeah. I agree with that thing. I feel Again, like I feel like they leaned too heavy into Rob Zombie Halloween instead of John Carpenter Halloween. Yeah, and and I'm again like Halloween four. You could make those same complaints about he's getting too Jason and not enough Michael. I like Halloween four, so I'm not going to write yeah. this movie off because of that. I'm just saying it's when you make this big deal about how we're going to make this the sequel to the original because we want to surpass all those other sequels. Okay, great. But then you are making you're making the same mistake those other sequels made of turning him into this supernatural being instead of just being this maniac who escaped from a mental institution. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I agree with that. And then when you look at like what I'm saying with that doctor storyline playing out in such a short period of time, really, and him not getting much screen time, that's true with like everything that happens in this movie. Because you look at those like those podcaster guys at the beginning, and I actually liked those guys. Um, which I mean, I I know a lot of people don't apparently. Oh, they deserve to die so good. <laughs> but like you have them show up, you have them do the whole opening thing, and then they're just gone. Like five minutes into the movie, it's like, okay, we're we're done with them. The kill scenes again. The kill scenes in that bathroom was probably maybe my, some of my favorite ones in there. But I'm like, it's just over now. That whole plot line is just that. Mm-hmm that we started the movie with just ends five minutes in and we move on to like weird, the weird storyline with Lori's family, which I have a whole bunch of stuff to complain about that. <laughs> well, I feel like, but, like if you could take that doctor out of the movie and the movie stays exactly the same. Well, you take the doctor out and you just have the podcasters be the ones that manipulate yeah. Lori and Michael into the same area. Right. And even just one of them, like you could kill one of them off at the, at the gas station. Yeah. And then that sets your story off. I just feel like the doctor is just a complete like we don't sure. need this. I don't know why this is in here. I mean, you could you could go the other way too if people like the doctor character, you could take those podcasters out and have it be the doctor who goes and gets the mask and brings it mm-hmm. to Michael and have it be the doctor who convinces Lori and Michael to be in the same area at the same time to try to get a reaction out of him. Like you 
you could have mm. a character doing that rather than having two different storylines and having neither one of them explored in depth enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree just, with that. It, it was just just too much. And where it becomes really too much is when they bring in Lori's family, and now we got this granddaughter, which let's okay, let's start with the fact that Lori's fifty seven years old. Her granddaughter is seventeen, so Lori became a grandmother at forty. Yeah. Sam so that, that's that's not that's not super crazy. <laughs> it's not entirely crazy. But it's not. not. Not only is it not entirely crazy, it's fairly common. It, I was going to say, I think I recently posted on Facebook that my ex-girlfriend, who is the same age I am, just turned, is just now, is now a grandmother. At, at 17, was your ex-girlfriend willing to tell Ben Tramer that she had a crush on him? Probably she was, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. So the Laurie Strode from that first Halloween movie had a kid within what a year of that movie ending and then then that kid was taken away 12 years later because laurie strode from halloween turned into sarah connor and was raising that kid as like a survivalist so by the time laurie was 30 that kid gets taken away gets raised by someone else grows up to become a normal human being but also gets knocked up at like 2021 <laughs> and then is living in that house with that laid back husband who's clearly like an accountant or like a ad writing copy man or something like that like that that was not the life that somebody's leading if their mom had a kid at 20 and then they had a kid at 20. not to mention the actress was born in 1975 three years before halloween came out and she not not trying to be disrespectful, but she looks like she was born in 1975. She doesn't look like somebody that is much younger. So she, it, it, none of it really fits. Like, yes, it's biologically plausible mm. that at 57 you have a 17-year-old granddaughter, but it doesn't make sense for that character to have had a granddaughter at that age. It doesn't make sense for the life they're living. Well, unless, unless Lori had a child at like 22 and then her daughter who grew up in the system had a child at like 16 or 17, like a lot of children who grow up that way. Okay. Know. But the people who live that life aren't living the life that these people in this movie are living. Sure. They are. If she marries a rich accountant ask husband. Okay. <laughs> you're adding a lot into this movie. I oh, know. I'm just saying you're acting. You're I, I feel like you're acting like things are unfeasible that happen all the time like these aren't weird no. impossible circumstances they're, they're not completely it's not completely impossible for a 57 year old woman to have a 17 year old daughter what i'm saying is there's nothing in this movie that implies that these characters lived that life and there's also no explanation for why so the daughter's taken away from laurie at 12 the daughter does not want anything to do with laurie is actively trying to stay away from her but somehow laurie and the granddaughter seem to have a relationship why if you don't want, if if you if you haven't lived with your mom since you were twelve, and you're now a let's call it forty year old adult, you just don't talk to your mother. That's it. It's not that hard to cut that person out of your life, and you would have just never introduced your daughter to her, and it would have been a non-issue. It, it none of that makes any sense. It's not like when Lori shows up at the school, she has to explain, like, "Look, I'm your grandmother. Your mother." Kid hid you away from me because she thinks I'm crazy. They clearly have a relationship. 
right. Well, I don't, I don't disagree with your points. Okay. But I think it just boils down to there would be no movie if that stuff didn't happen. Oh, I disagree. I think you take Laurie's family right out of it, and you've got a much better movie on your hands. Because the other thing that happens is now we delve into Laurie's granddaughter running around with her friends. All that stuff was annoying to me. Possibly because I'm old, an old man now and I'm not a teenager and I can't relate to those characters, but I don't think so. I think it's because a lot of it was rushed and poorly done. And the, my biggest problem with it is all of a sudden Michael Myers is killing off all of the granddaughter's friends. And I have no idea if he was intentionally stalking those people because they were friends with her. which oh, They were just out and about. So it's just a coincidence that he went into town and started killing people and like half the people had a direct correlation back to Laurie's granddaughter. You could say the same thing about the first movie. No, he, in the just, first he just happens to kill a bunch of people that are Laurie's friends no. in the other houses. My Maybe God. perhaps perhaps you should go back and watch the first movie. In the first movie, Michael Myers spends the entire day following Laurie around, learning who she who she, she's friends with, learning who she's gonna be with. He intentionally goes to the house where her friends are kills them off because he's trying to work his way to her. He knows who a kid she'll be babysitting. I, say that. I think Hattonfield's not supposed to be a big place. But if he, he kills a bunch of teenagers, they're going to be people she knows. They're going to be the, the people at the house where she was going to go that night, and then the coincidentally he's stalking her. We don't even know how he knows that that's Lori's granddaughter, or if he knows that. But he's following her around and kills her friend, the whatever the geeky friend that tries to hit on her is. Again, if he's doing that because that's Laurie's granddaughter, fine, put that in the movie. If not, if it's just a coincidence, it's dumb. I just, that's, that is such a bizarre complaint in a horror movie. That's not a bizarre complaint in a Halloween movie. When you make a big deal about the fact that we're rebooting... But I, I'm just saying, in, in every slasher movie ever, all of the people who end up getting killed are all connected like that. It's just an excuse. You're saying that you're saying that slasher movie, but not about Halloween. That's my point. This is supposed to be a direct sequel to the original Halloween. And in the original Halloween, Michael Myers, for no reason, picked Lori and went after Lori. And went after the people that were directly connected to her, and it all made sense. And it, in this movie, they throw that out, and we're doing guy wandering around town killing everyone he sees. I understand your point, but none of that bothered me. Oh, it, it! Everything involving those teenagers bothered me. The Lori should have just not had a family. Michael could have killed. Michael could still have killed some random people just because he needs a knife, so he kills somebody to get a knife. I thought that was a fun scene when he went into that house and he just he picked up the hammer, walked into the house, killed the person off screen, and then took the knife that she was making a sandwich with. <laughs> which was a nice nod to Halloween too. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of those little things I really did enjoy. Just so people know, I'm not completely negative on the film, like. A lot of the stuff about like like recreating the shot where the girl's in the classroom and she looks out and she sees Laurie standing where Michael was in the original film. That was really fun. I liked a lot of those little tributes. Again, I was already getting annoyed because they'd already pointed out that they thought the sequels were dumb and then they start paying tributes to those sequels, which was... Especially so, part three. Did you see the homage to part three? The mask, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And again, that, that that doesn't bother me because I don't think they directly said part three was dumb. But I don't know. I I just I had a lot of problems with this movie. I I think that this movie could have been if you had a lot less going on, you could have made this movie about 
like again, I, I for me, I would have got rid of the doctor and kept the podcasters. You could have done it the other way around. Have I them agree with. have them dealing with Michael. Have Lori be living alone. She didn't need this family. And then we could have taken the time to get to know her better rather than spending our time getting to know her family better. It would have eliminated all these questions about how she had a daughter in 1975 when the when she hadn't met a boy yet in 1978. It you know a, a lot of that stuff could have just it could they could have streamlined a lot of this and just made this more like the original Halloween, a slower story. You could have still had extra body count. I understand that movies today are going to need more than three kills in them. That's fine. You could have had Michael kill and other people on his way there. A lot of the, again, a lot of the execution of the kills was pretty good. Like, I really liked the, the. I think it was the first kill, which was like the, it was the tribute to the killing of Annie in the first movie, where he, but he does it to the little kid in this movie, and I'm like, that's a oh, yeah. dark fucking kill. You're killing a child on screen by strangling through strangulation. Like that's a, that's a really cool dark moment. So I did I did like the, that the kid was arguing with his dad about how he was totally into dance now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was so weird. It, it was weird, but it, it didn't feel completely out of place, right? And the, no. in that particular moment too, I thought they did a really good job of having that be kind of like a funny conversation. That then, like the funniness just comes to a stop when they're like, "Ha, we're arguing about dancing versus hunting," and then oh shit, there's a bunch of crazy people in the middle of the street, and the dad gets out, and we go from a funny moment right into a scary moment. And I thought they did a really good job of that. Now that having been said, later in the movie when they have the the girl babysitting and she's arguing with the little kid, I forget I forget what the little kid's name was, but he was hilarious. He's like, I was say he was fucking awesome. He was great, but they screwed it up when the time came for the kill because they didn't cut the comedy off when they wanted to jump into the scary <laughs> moment. I thought they really dropped the ball on that one. Uh, the kid was <laughs> in the leading up to it. Yeah. I guess, but I just like that that kid's like, nap, fuck this. He's like, <laughs> I'm out. He's like, if you go out there, he's going to kill you. And then he just runs out the door and leaves him. I, li- I did like when he goes, like, send Dave up first. I like that part. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, um, I, I, thought, I thought that kid was funny, but I, I really did feel like, like, the, like the other scene where they're, they're having the, the dance conversation and it, you get a, a hard cut where you're no longer in a fun scene, now we're in a scary scene. I thought that made both scenes work, both elements of the scene work better. And in this one where the kid didn't stop being funny when Michael Myers showed up, it eliminated a lot of the tension and the creepiness of having Myers hiding in a closet waiting for the babysitter to come upstairs to kill. Plus, I'm just putting this together in my head now, but early in the movie, he's completely willing to kill a little kid. Yet in this movie, he hides in the kid's closet and waits for the... Babysitter to come upstairs? Why didn't he just kill the kid? Because eh. he didn't feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a little bit of a nitpick, but it's also I mean, why doesn't why doesn't he kill any of the kids on the street that bump into him all that's the time? Good. That's a good question. It's just he kills whenever he feels like killing him, Michael Myers. Uh I heard about the reason that he doesn't kill the baby. Did nope. any of you read about this? I assume it's because even in this movie, they don't want to watch a guy stab a baby to death. Uh, no, well, sort of, but not really. Because he does kill the baby and they did a test audience and people lost their shit. No, uh, apparently. So he kills the lady in the kitchen, right? And then it was supposed to 
be her husband sleeping in the living room, like passed out in his recliner. And then he was going to kill him and then walk out the front door. Mm-hmm. And then apparently the guy who was supposed to play him didn't show up that day. So they're like, oh, fuck, what are we going to do? They're like, ah, just put like a crib in the living room. Because even he's like, why is there a crib in the living room? I don't know. We just had it. We're like, put it in the living room. And then they just put uh, baby noises in. And he decided that was a <coughs> sort of a humanizing moment for him or something that, yeah, that he was just like this baby and just kept walking yeah i don't i don't know if that was necessary i probably if it were me i think the movie would be better if he just walked out i don't think i want a humanizing moment for michael myers necessarily yeah that's just my like my personal preference on that character i prefer him when he's just the shape i like that idea better yeah sure i I just thought i just thought it was interesting that someone didn't show up and they decided uh this is what we'll do instead and just kind of threw it together I kind of like the idea with with Michael Myers that's shown up in a few movies that there's that there's no real rhyme or reason to like who he kills. He just kind of fucking kills people. Like he decides that's a person I'm going to kill. <laughs> this person yeah. I'm just going to walk past them. This person I'm going to hide in a closet. This person I'm going to stab. This person. And, and there is something that, like in the original and even some of the better sequels. One of the things that's scary about Michael Myers is the idea that he's, you don't know, right? Like you don't know why he's doing what he's doing or he has no real objective or there's nowhere you could go that you'd just be enough out of his way that he's, you're safe. He could hunt you down forever or he could just get distracted and go kill some other shiny object, which I, like, I agree is an effective use for So continue on, Doug. What else did you have problems with? Um, a lot of it has to do with that family. Yeah. I'm really upset that you guys don't agree with me on how annoying that her having a family was. Because at uh, the like in the climax in the movie, and there's a lot of good stuff going on in that climax, but god damn it, why wasn't it just Laurie versus Michael? What the hell is there other people doing in that house? Like <laughs> that's just frustrating. because uh, they need people for him to go after so that Jamie Lee Curtis, like Laurie, can um uh, I guess turn into the Michael Myers for Michael Myers. Which I'm sure we'll get into that, but yeah, like the how she's been waiting for this, and so she's actually more Michael Myers than Michael Myers is. Well, because I kind of like the idea that she's been waiting for Michael Myers. I sort of, when he gets out and he's just indiscriminately going around town killing people and not necessarily going after Lori, mm. I kind of liked the idea in the movie that like she's been living her whole life on the assumption that one day he'll get out and he'll come after her again. And she was just wrong. Like, I like the idea that she's just, she's the one that's nuts, right? Like he's, he's obviously crazy. He's back to killing, but the idea that he would have been sitting around this whole time worrying about her is almost absurd. And I, I I like the idea that he's, that he's just, okay, I'm out. I'm going to kill some more people or whatever. And she's like, she's the one that's been, building this up in her head as though they're mm-hmm. as though like like she thinks they're arch rivals but he doesn't he just he's just <laughs> she's just the one that got away and he's not that worried about it i kind of <laughs> like that idea yeah. that, that's where like i i kind of think that her drawing him into the house is a neat idea her having it set up to kill him is kind of a neat idea <clears throat> I will say the the thing I'm disappointed about is apparently when they were doing pre-pro for this movie, 
uh, Daniel Harris got a hold of him and told him, like, uh, you know, I can come back and play her daughter or whatever. Like, I'd be totally down for that. And they apparently had no interest. Really? Yeah. Because I like I love Daniel Harris in the in Halloween four and five. Like, even though she's mm-hmm. a little kid actress, and very rarely are little kid actresses good in movies. <laughs> I think she's fantastic in those two. She's really what makes, especially for into a good movie instead of just a cheesy mm. kind of sequel. Yeah. But, uh, yeah I, I, I really liked the element in that final uh, confrontation where Laurie's like, she searches a room and when she comes out, she's got those gates set up. Oh yeah. She's kind of like building like the mousetrap to force Michael down into the basement. But at the same time, mm. she's also making sure he can't be behind her. Cause that's mm-hmm. like, it's a callback to, in the original, when she leaves him laying in the one room, and you see it's that iconic shot of his mask kind of appearing out of the dark and coming up behind her, mm-hmm. and now he won't be able to do that again. I liked that she learned that lesson. Yeah. What I didn't like was that she, it never occurred to her in the 40 years of training and getting ready for Michael Myers to come out to learn any fighting technique in case he got close. She's like great <laughs> with guns, but she's, but when he's like, he grabs a hold of her, she has no, like, she doesn't know how to stomp a toe or kick him in the balls or something to get free. <laughs> I thought she was pretty effective for a 60-year-old woman. Well, she's fighting a 60-year-old man, right? Well, as a 60-year-old behemoth. Um, I also did see a meme online that had Daniel Harris on a phone, and then the next picture had Josh Hartnett on a phone. <laughs> and, and her picture says, hey, did mom call you? And his picture says, no, she acts like we don't even exist. It's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought the last like sort of showdown in the house was pretty cool. I um, liked a lot of it. I Again, I like it, every time they cut away to... And part of it is just, is it Julie Greer that played the daughter? I didn't like her. Yeah. I don't think she belongs in this type of movie. Um, like, she's fine in Ant-Man. She doesn't belong in Halloween. Uh but I just I like the whole part where she like is in the basement and she and she pretends to be scared and then pulls a gun on Michael and I'm like, I don't first of all, we haven't spent enough time with that character for me to give a shit about her little growth moment. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I just I want this to be a confrontation between Laurie and Michael. This is why I, I came to the theaters because you promised me you were getting the original Laurie Strode back against the original Michael Myers. That's what I want to see. I don't want anyone else involved. And it, it, I didn't like having them there. I didn't like the idea that Laurie's using them as bait. That seems to contradict the fact that she's been trying to protect them her whole life. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So I just, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It felt like this movie, this movie should have been more about Laurie being, you know, a psychotic person who spent 40 years preparing for this confrontation and less about her family that is just there so that Michael has somebody to stab in the sequels, I guess. Yeah. Disagree. (laughs) (laughs) I saw someone posited the theory that it would have been interesting to see that when she has the chance to finally kill him, that she sort of hesitates because it's almost like her entire life has been about waiting for him. And yeah. that if he's finally gone, like what is what is left for her for the rest of her life? 
which I thought would have been interesting to explore, but they don't really get into. I think a lot of stuff with Laurie would have been more interesting to explore. I think this movie should have been much more about her psychology. And I, I actually think Jamie Lee Curtis does a really good job of stepping back into the role and playing the sort of the Sarah Connor version of Laurie Strode, who's all like, mm-hmm. kind of, who spent these years getting ready for this fight. And I just don't think they give her enough to do. Again, that's another reason why I think they should have had fewer storylines is just so that we could have spent that time with her and we could have, this could have been more of a psychological film and less of, you know, just another cheesy slasher. Well, Noah, why don't you tell us some of the things you did like about this movie? Uh, well, I kind of agree with the fact that the, the kills are a little too Jason-y and not enough Michael Myers-y. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest complaint is not necessarily the gore, but the speed, if that makes sense. Like, part of the, sure. the thing that makes Michael Myers' kills particularly, like, icky in, in the first movie and stuff is the fact that, you know, he, he doesn't, like, stab you fast. He stabs you slow. <laughs> like... He just doesn't care, you know what I mean? He's he's not in a hurry to make you die. He's just going to make you die. It, in this one, I feel like he's almost too efficient. That makes sense. Yeah, that's that's true in a lot of the kills. I think uh, there are some that are executed a little better. Like I think the the bathroom scene where he beats the shit out of the one podcaster, stops, kills the other one, goes back and kills the first one. I think that is handled really effectively. I like the idea that when they get to the gas station, there's bodies just strewn about because Michael has just killed people to take their clothes and stuff. He doesn't bother. Like, he's not... Those were efficiency kills. He needed an outfit, so he killed a mechanic. He didn't... He doesn't have those ones set up on display the way he does some of his other bodies later on. So, so going back to the bathroom scene, see, I do have a complaint in it. I don't think the kills are bad, but the part where he drops the teeth over the stall... Well, yeah. that's a really cool horror movie moment. It just doesn't fit with the way Michael Myers like operates in every other movie. Yeah, I, I can agree with you on that. Like, it's I he like. Would, it, yeah, but... he wouldn't take the time to like unnecessarily like terrorize somebody that he's getting ready to murder. Does that make sense? Yeah, like to some extent, it's he he doesn't enjoy the killing in the way that like Jason clearly enjoys the killing, and he likes to go get a different instrument for each kill. Like Michael is just okay. This is a guy I've got. I've got to kill for whatever twisted reason exists in his head, and he just does it. And that in that first movie, like he strangles a couple of people, he stabs a couple of people. There's slit throats. Nothing really exciting happens. And in this movie, they really felt the need to step it up, and it's it's a problem from a character perspective. Yeah. Uh, and then, while while I know you hate the family. Uh, I like what the family represent, although I agree to a certain extent that I think you could get rid of the granddaughter completely and and still have the same movie. All you do is you make the daughter like a school teacher or something, and then you have her tied into a bunch of teenagers that can get murdered. I say that's a good idea. Because yeah. yeah, I think the granddaughter is one of those uh, quadrant requirements. Like, we have to have some teenagers in this so that yeah. when teenagers come, they have somebody they can uh yeah. root for or identify with but yeah, having her being a teacher that's actually a really good idea yeah in the in basically like what the, the takeaway from the movie it's about uh uh victimization and how you assimilate 
being a victim, if that makes sense. But so Lori react overreacts, if that makes sense. She 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 goes from being a victim to being a survivalist, basically. You know, it, but there's this idea of not not only does the the trauma alleviate her of being a victim. She makes sure her daughter is trained not to be a victim too, and and the whole point at the end where the daughter shoots him is that I don't think the daughter gets it that that she's not a victim until the moment actually comes where she doesn't hesitate. She shoots him in the fucking face. You know what I mean? Like, well, shoots him in the shoulder. Yeah, but you know what I mean. She like <laughs> doesn't she doesn't pull punches because. When she was a child, her mom drilled it into her fucking head to fucking shoot the motherfucker. You know what I mean? Don't. <laughs> Here's a gun. This is how you use it. Whenever he's standing in front of him, you shoot him. Like, and and I like that. It's it's this cool idea of um, you know, it's it's a fucking social message, and I know people get all bitchy whenever they start jamming social messages into horror movies, but. I mean, political commentary is a fucking thing. Everybody can get the fuck over it. But like I said, I and I think that makes sense. And I think the mother-daughter relationship of the daughter thinks that the mom was nuts and just ruined her life. When the truth is, all the mom was doing was training her to fucking take care of herself. To an extreme, but she was the victim of an extreme circumstance. Yeah, but then... It, then the then the message is that the appropriate response to being attacked is to go live as a survivalist for forty years on the off chance that your attacker comes back. No, I think I think the message is to be prepared. Once again, Lori's nuts. I I don't think anybody argues with that fact. Lori is an overreaction, but I do believe what her daughter represents is kind of like a healthy balance, like. She may have been raised by crazy mom, but at least she knows how to... Def she's not the teenagers that got stabbed up in the first one that couldn't do anything about it. She's she's a strong, proud woman, if, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so I like all that. Like I said, the, the granddaughter, I don't think she brings much to the fucking table. Although, I think in the, the filmmaker's eyes, she probably represents the problem with this whole situation is that the daughter who doesn't understand the value of what Lori was teaching her didn't get that and basically could just end up being a victim like Lori was. But yeah. I, I don't think they took enough time to like dig into that enough. Yeah. And, and I think the, the problem with a lot of what you're saying too, is just that these are in-depth layers that I don't disagree with what you're saying. It's just that when you've got a movie where you've got like a CGI knife coming through the front of somebody's face and you've got a head stomped to death, like it doesn't necessarily, for me, it doesn't work on that deeper level because my brain doesn't go to those deeper levels when I'm watching heads explode. That's, that's where my head always goes. <laughs> I, I, I have a weird brain that I'm immediately going back and forth between my weird philosophy of ethics and stuff and going, ooh, that was so cool. <laughs> but you see, what, um, I'm, what I'm saying is that as a film that like objectively making this for a wide audience is that any messages are going to be completely missed. And anybody who doesn't does take a message from the film is going to take it on that very base level of 
if if you want to make sure that you're not going to get killed, you should just have a thousand guns in the house and be a survivalist, and then you'll always be fine. And raise your kids to shoot first and ask questions later, and then everything will be okay. And I don't think that's the message they're intending to get across, but I think that is kind of the message that comes out of the movie. I don't know. I felt like that, see, I I feel like it, it, most of it was made with intention, and I think people just don't bother to care about the intention. Okay, but if you're trying to get a message across, you have to think about the audience and how they're going to interpret what you're saying and not just what you're saying, right? Which which is fine, but you can't control the audience. You can't control the audience. Lots of, lots of people make brilliant movies all the time that audiences don't fucking understand. It's not the filmmaker's fault that audiences didn't fucking understand it. Uh, I can agree with that to a certain extent, but when the filmmakers present the movie in a certain way, you're inviting people to kind of shut their brains down. Well, yeah, and but, then you, but you do both. Base level. You you make a movie that's got a bunch of bloody, gory, head-stompy shit, maybe throw in some boobs, and then if you put in some some layers and stuff, it gives it rewatch and evaluation value, which I feel like this movie has. Like, you can watch it a few times and probably get a couple more things where you're like, oh, okay. There was this and this that I didn't realize the first time I watched it. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I can kind of see some of the points you're making. I just kind of feel like this isn't a film that was set up to make those points. Mm-hmm. Like you, you start bringing in those that type of in-depth thinking at the end of a movie that's gone on, that's been essentially like a big, dumb action movie until then. Well, see, but I don't think it was. I, it, the whole movie's interlaced with these themes. I mean, they even kind of talk about it a few times in the movie about, because uh, there's this shit of them talking about how does a crime like that affect the person who does it? You know what I mean? The, the, all that kind of stuff. And did it change Michael and and I think maybe there might be some weird shit going on with maybe the reasons why the violence is more is because of that idea of he's he's not, you know, his 40 years in an insane asylum hasn't exactly done him well. He's just, oh, yeah, I definitely think there's something there that they wanted to get into that they didn't delve into enough, which is, you know, you've had 40 years with this guy. What have you done? Like, because they got, they have like this this kind of silly line of dialogue about oh they get a healthy diet and plenty of exercise. And it's like yeah that's great. Yeah, and then they show the exercise yard where they're literally chained to anvils. Yeah, but and it's like you've had this guy institutionalized, with the exception of that one night since 1960 whatever, and you haven't figured out how to have a conversation with him yet. Like what are you doing here? Like I think there's that element is meant to be explored. They don't really get into it. And again, I think it's just because there's so much going on in this movie that they don't have time to stop and have those conversations. Yeah. You know, I, I do kind of like the idea that this, this movie does do a pretty good job of bluntly hammering home the idea that Loomis was right from the beginning. Like, you can be as anti-death penalty as you want. Michael Myers should have been killed. Like... Well, yeah, I mean, which is which is a fascinating idea in which he's basically saying, you know, it's not murder; he's not a person. Like, yeah, and there's that's uh, that's where I think, like, you know, the idea of if you're going to explore the Michael Myers character, that you start asking that question of, well, why does he kill? And if the answer keeps coming back as just a shrug and a 
he saw a girl through a people in 1978 and he's still hunting her down well at some point you do have to give up and walk away from trying to fix that guy <laughs> but then the you know, there's also the issue of, I mean, I don't know if it's meant to be social commentary, but that they're, that they're transporting Michael. Because um, they mentioned he's going to like a private institution instead of a government funded one and stuff, which seems like it's more of an, like for mental institutions, that seems like more of an 80s thing than a 2018 thing. Because I don't know how many mental institutions are still around. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think it's... And again, I, th I think there's a lot of these ideas that are good there, and I would love to see them have been explored more. This film just wasn't interested in getting that in-depth, in my opinion, and I wish it was. Uh, I, think, I, they, I think they spent too much time doing too much stuff. I'll agree with that. They spread it out too thin. Mm. So yeah, for me, I would have, yeah, like, like I said, I would, I would have personally just edited down the number of storylines and spent more time on each one and spend yeah. more time exploring the Laurie character. Because, I, again, I, I think it's worth pointing out, Jamie Lee Curtis is great in this movie. She does what she has to do very well. Mm -hmm. That's There's the scenes where she's like, the scene where she's wait, waiting to watch the, the bus and she sees Michael Myers get on, and she's like, she's got the gun, like she's thinking about just going over there and shooting him while he's still in custody. And it's like, well, how many times do you think she's parked her car outside that mental institution over the years? You got to think it's a lot. Like the implication is that she's been planning to kill this guy for a long time. And that's interesting. Let's get into that. But they really don't. They have her go and interrupt a family dinner. And, you know, it, it frankly plays pretty silly. Mm -hmm. hmm. um, did you enjoy the nice callbacks to the first movie with uh, the roles reversed? Like when Jamie gets thrown off a balcony and then yep. he looks back and then she's gone? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a number of different shots and different like little moments that happen that are callbacks to all of the previous movies. And I mm -hmm. like I enjoyed those because I like those previous movies, right? Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, people actually cheered in our theater when they cut back and she was gone. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like, oh, all right. That's yeah. that's the good part of having an active audience, I guess. Yeah, compared to all the other shit I had to sit through. That's because it, it's very similar. Like that shot of her going over the side is very similar to him falling over and. Mm -hmm. The disappearing is kind of neat. I did think the one where she pops up behind him and her face sort of comes up. I thought that one was done very poorly, though. It, yeah, it, I didn't even realize it was meant to be kind of a tribute to the original because it wasn't yeah. executed very well. <sighs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Anything else anybody wants to talk about? Uh, made a shit ton of money over the weekend, so they're, yeah. of course, doing a sequel. Yeah. Which, they shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, but they only see the dollar signs, and this is when all the logic kind of starts falling falling apart. See, I'm going to disagree, though. I'm going to say, because this movie became just like Part 2 or just like Part 4, they sequelized those ones and everything went okay. They can do another one nope. of these if they want. They went okay. <laughs> part two was good. Part four was good. Part five was good, except for the parts where they were setting up the next one. 
which they had no plan for, by the way. Well, it literally was, we're going to introduce this guy in black, and then whoever does the next movie will figure out what they're going to do with that. And that's a problem. Yep. Yeah, part, I would say part two is good. Part four is all right. Part five is almost passable. Part six is garbage. <laughs> but Paul Rudd. And then H2O is just like, okay at best. Yeah. And the remakes are the horseshit. Like I don't, I don't know. I just my, Michael Myers just doesn't do well serialized like that for some reason. I just don't think he's got the. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. But him, just this movie with him being dead. That's a good ending. Just Laurie fucking burned him to death. I like it. Yeah, but we didn't see it. You know they did that shit on purpose. Yeah, it was set up. Uh, yeah, I mean, the real question is like, what happens in the sequel more so than if there's going to be a sequel? It's it's coming. Yeah, not, like, I would almost like it if there was going to be a sequel. Have Michael Myers not be the bad guy? Some kind of a new weird serial killer versus Laurie. Yeah, like, maybe hunting down some of the people that escaped from the bus that we just never saw them corralled. Yeah, just like a spinoff kind of thing. Yeah. I did think there was a couple of funny lines dropped in this one where they're like, yeah, we found like two of them. I forget what they were doing, but they had like some funny lines of where they were finding the patients because <laughs> most of the other patients were relatively harmless people that just wandered off. I was a little sad that the cop bit it. Yeah. I was and a he didn't bummed. even get axed by uh, Michael. It's like, oh. Shit. Yeah, yeah. wasn't even wasn't even like... Uh, promoted to chief yet or something he'd been on the force for over 40 years <laughs> but it couldn't have been that good a cop the other cops didn't even have any respect for him they were like making fun of him behind his back and i'm like well as a 40-year veteran of the force just be polite to and, him at least and how much did we miss an opportunity because he says he was there the like he was in town the night that michael originally yeah. came out I mean, he easily, they could have just named him Ben Tramer, and it would have been like, oh, look, we finally get to see Ben Tramer, uh, theoretically, if they decide the original part two doesn't count. Well, isn't he, like, he, his name is, he is one of the officers from uh, the original, I believe, right? Uh, I don't know. I meant to look it up when I got home. and I, like, His name is, like, Hawkins or something. Yeah. And I think... I, think he, I don't know if the actor is returning or not, but I think the character No. Is. Yeah, it's not the actor. Well, here, I'll kind of look. You guys keep uh, arguing with each other. I was, I was going to say, one of the other things I liked in the movie is I do like the fact that several times throughout the movie, not, not just with Lori, that people seem to defy the, uh, the slasher expectation of what's going to happen. Like when the cop sees Michael on the sidewalk and he's like, nope, and just fucking hits him with the car full speed. <laughs> I kind of liked that. No, it was, it was fucking great. You were like, yeah, that's exactly what the fuck you would do. You would run that motherfucker over. <laughs> I did, I did, like, I thought they were going to pull the old, like, it's not him in the mask, it's somebody else. Yeah, but that's I what I was, I was hoping they weren't going to do that. I, I thought it'd be, apparently, like, I don't know if you guys paid enough attention, but a lot of the other characters in the original, like, you get name drops, so you can theoretically, like, one of the other teenagers is was Lonnie's kid from the original stuff mm -hmm. like that. 
Mm-hmm. So you could have you could imagine that they would do that and then have that be somebody who was dressed up as Myers because they were around back when the original thing happened. Mm, I'm not seeing anybody with that name on IMDb from the original one from the you know same name as the cop, but I mean they don't have like I'm sure every character listed, but. I think I think the like if I remember from watching the original last week is that he's just one of those deputies that's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't know. I'll I'll tell you one thing we don't get in this movie that's disappointing: that douchebaggy boyfriend doesn't get murdered. Right, that upsets me. Because oh. I, if if we're gonna make a throwback to like seventies and eighties movies, bad teenagers die. <laughs> that's the reason we watch those movies to watch douchebags die. Yeah, but I was fine with him not dying because I just wanted him gone from the screen. He was just fucking annoying. I was like, "Don't bring him back and kill him," because otherwise, because that involves bringing him back. That's the part I didn't want. Yeah, he was just that, that whole fucking thing where they're arguing at the dance and he throws her phone in a bowl of soup or whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. Like, or something. I don't understand what that's in that. What's in that bowl? I don't understand why like any of that scene is in this movie. It was so pointless. <laughs> They like they introduce a boyfriend character just to have him be eliminated from the story like two scenes later. That's like why why did that why does that guy here? Again, that's uh, time he, doing something else. He was there to get rid of her cell phone so that so that she would not have her cell phone for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Which they could have done better. But that's yeah, like all you have to do is have her say like there's a fucking rule against having cell phones at the. There's a rule against having cell phones at the dance for some reason. And <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. It would have been better if he got drowned in that weird pudding bowl. <laughs> uh, maybe he's the one that should have been impaled on the gate instead of his nerdy friend. Yeah, that was a good kill. I liked it. I did, say I did enjoy the uh, the motion sensor light. That part was cool, yeah. The the lead up to that kill was very fun. Like once once they got past all the teenage drama bullshit that was annoying and there was just two kids walking through a field and all of a sudden Michael Myers is there and he's kinda of drunk and he's like he thinks it's the guy whose yard they're in. They're like, Sorry we're in your yard, man. I'm like, that was pretty funny because the you're just like, Yeah, I just really want to uh Oh I'll tell you one thing that I, I find strange in this movie. So so Hattonfield's not supposed to be a very big town. What happened to Lori Strode and all the people that got murdered that night's a big deal in that town. Mm-hmm. If there was a guy walking around dressed like Michael Myers, the guy who killed a bunch of people in your little town, people would flip shit. Like, not necessarily assuming that it was him, but just assuming somebody dressed up like the guy who fucking murdered five people in their town. Like... People would be upset about it, and yeah. people would know what that mask looks like. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Like when people run into him on the street, they don't seem to be bothered by it, and it's just passed off as he's in a costume because it's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they bothered by it if he's if it's such a famous crime? Yeah, it's the only it's the only thing in the whole movie that I was like, it would make sense to have at least one person to be like, "Not cool, man. That's not fucking funny." <laughs> like. Mm. I do find it kind of annoying to uh, um, that, of course, the podcasters have his original mask. 
just because they need them to show up and bring it with them. Well, the the line is dropped that they got it from the DA's office or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, would the DA office really let them just kind of borrow it? Well, they had there were some rich ass podcasters. They had three grand to pay Lori for an interview in cash, just on them. Uh, and they're like <laughs> the douchey kind of podcasters. I was so mad when they said they were podcasters. I was like, ugh. <laughs> they were. They, I mean, they were playing on. They were modernizing the film. They were playing on the whole serial and that type of stuff, right? That uh, yeah, totally. Podcasting is kind of a big deal right now. Yeah, where they do this investigative journalism laced with five bajillion fucking commercials where 75% of the podcast is a commercial and the other five is fucking exploitation of other people suffering for them to make a little bit of podcasting money. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Parasites. I was glad they died. <laughs> They're the worst. They're the worst part of podcasting. Yeah. I enjoy I enjoy a lot of true crime podcasts. So. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't get to hear any of their podcasts. So we don't know if they're good at it or not. I didn't, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't hate the idea of bringing them in at the beginning in that. And I think it would have been interesting to have them play more of a role. It just annoyed me that they were, their plot line became irrelevant so quickly. Yeah, motherfuckers. Uh, well, anything else, I guess, before we uh, wrap it up? Um, go see it. It was good. Yeah. I'm interested. I kind of want to go see it again just because I want to see it without all the distractions around me. Yeah. So hopefully maybe I'd enjoy it a little bit more. I would say go see it just low expectations. It's just another slasher sequel and you might have some fun with it. And that's... Mm. Yeah. Don't don't let you... Don't let all the hype about it being the 40th anniversary and they're resetting the series and going back to the original. None of that shit matters. This, yeah. You know, it's... I don't know if this is really an improvement on like 20 years from now, if you go back and watch, you know, Halloween and then you watch Halloween two or you watch Halloween and then you watch H2O or you watch Halloween and then you watch this movie. I don't know that. I think all you're going to see is like, okay, this is what a sequel was like in 1982. In 1982, they made direct sequels that followed right up. Well, what happened in what happened 20 years after that? Oh, 20 years after that, sequels were trying to modernize films and they were doing that sort of Kevin Williamson dialogue and all that. Okay, that's what they were doing at that point. Well, 2018, well, what are they doing? Well, in 2018, movies moved a lot faster. People had lower, lower uh, attention spans, so we get these almost vignette-style storylines built in rather than one long, slow film. Okay, that's, that's it. So depending on where filmmaking goes in the next 20 years which one of those is going to be the best sequel. I think it's just going to be a matter of opinion. Yeah. Who's all coming back for H60. I'm down with it. <laughs> Lori, Lori and Michael are chasing each other around in wheelchairs and it's just who has the best orderly. I, yeah. I am offended by the fact that H2O just got compared to Halloween two in this film. <laughs> I, I do think like though, if you're a big fan of movies from that era, you're going to think that that's a great direct sequel to Halloween. You're going to be like, okay, whatever. Or I think it, I don't remember if it re recognizes Halloween too. Well, it does because of the brother sister aspect. Yeah. So like, okay, fine. But people who really like slashers from that era, that's going to be their favorite one because that's all they did was take that, those characters and put them in the modern style of filmmaking for the day. And that's essentially what they've done now. Yeah. yeah. It's bad. <laughs> I haven't watched it in forever, but I remember. Yeah, I, remember, I don't remember it being good. 
I, I really not as bad as the sequel. Back and it's it's not good. I mean, can we all just agree? There's no there's no movie worse than Resurrection. And we can all agree to that. Uh, six might be worse. Six is really bad, guys. Yeah, but six doesn't have Busta Rhymes in it saying "Trick or treat, motherfucker." Trick or treat, motherfucker. Six does have Ant Man in it, so. I guess one thing I can definitely say for sure is I hope if they make any more Halloween sequels, don't get any more Ant-Man cast members in these movies. They, <laughs> they work fine in Ant-Man. They don't belong in the Halloween series. And Six at least has Loomis in it. Yeah. Not saying that that's good, but at least it has that. It sort of has Loomis in it. It's <laughs> debatable to say the least. Yeah, but man, Druid, Zombie, Michael Myers. Oh. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not saying it's good. That's one of the worst things that's ever happened to the series. I think if you read up on 6 at 1.2, Loomis was supposed to do the twist and take on some of the killing, and then that didn't end up happening in the movie, I don't think. But I don't know. I keep I hearing know. there's another cut of 6 that makes it a more tolerable movie. but I, I, I think Is I've it? seen three different cuts over the years, and none of them were anywhere near good. So. Yeah. I was I say, I've, I've watched the regular, ver- the theatrical version and the producer's cut. I don't remember either one of them being that great. If you could make it three times as good, it would still be a shit movie. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we can all agree, like, you shouldn't watch Six. You shouldn't watch Resurrection. Yeah, mm-hmm. Six didn't happen. Resurrection didn't happen. Arguably, the Rob Zombie movies are hot garbage. Well, the, the Rob Zombie movies are a completely separate universe. I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. think they belong in a discussion about the Halloween series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then me and Doug enjoy part four. Yeah, I, I think four is a really good slasher movie for a 1988 slasher movie. I happen to like 1988 slasher movies. Uh, are we happy that they got the look of the original mask back? Uh, I mean, they kind of had it in the Rob Zombie movies, but I thought he looked really good. Yeah. I liked it. I liked. Um, I thought they did a good job. It looked aged and. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what happens to Halloween masks when they're put in police like vaults <laughs> for forty years, so I yeah. it would have aged that way or not, but it looked neat. I'm pretty sure that latex would have crumbled the dust whenever he tried to put it on and it just cracked and came apart. Probably. Because my parents still have Halloween masks in our base in their basement that have got to be thirty years old and every now and again my nieces and nephews pull them out and put them on and they they aren't falling apart. They still just look like masks. They don't look to have deteriorated much at all. You'd think that the uh, the latex would not be very supple after that much time. That it would let it crack really easy. Well, it's probably all the lead they put in the in the latex <laughs> back in the day. What it is, yeah. <laughs> I think what one thing I thought that they got really right was the way they didn't show his face until he put the mask on. Like the mm. sort of the the message is I think really heavy handed. The mask is his true face. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. I thought it was done really well. You could kind of get those side angle shots where you sort of you, you knew he had a human face, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. I shot him seven times. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I just really enjoyed that. It was like the William Shatner look of the mask was back. Yeah, because for part four, I mean, for part four four where they kind of got rid of that, um, probably due to Shatner being like, "Come on, guys!" Oh, but, Shatner's uh, really proud of the fact that that's his face. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe they were trying not to pay him any royalties if he uh, got it. got got angry that day. So, no, I, and I think part of that is 
when he gets a new mask, it's almost unrealistic <laughs> to have it. So you write in a, a little plot line where it's like, okay, it's it's the old mask. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's almost too bad there wasn't some like uh, easily recognizable hole poked in the mask that you could have recreated. Like uh, there was one, and they did have it on the mask that I noticed. Oh really? Uh, from when he gets stabbed in the neck with the uh, uh, knitting needle in the first movie. Yeah. There is a puncture hole in the base of the oh, neck really? on the on the mask. Yeah. That's cool. So I'm, I'm glad yeah. that's there. I'm glad somebody paid attention to that detail. Yeah, I noticed that like in the trailers when they showed him like putting it on or whatever. Or the holding it up to him at the thing or whatever, yeah, you could see just sort of a little puncture mark at the very bottom on the neck. So, oh, did we mention the the opening credits of the uh, the reverse Jack Lantern melt? We didn't, but I uh, greatly enjoyed it. Yeah, and the fact that they did the the old school single color uh, title card mm-hmm. credits. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think I liked watching that. I think a lot of some of the complaints I had about the movie are partially because they were using that to put it in my head that this was going to be just like like a direct sequel to the original and make it more like the original. And that a lot of my complaints are that it's not that. So, yeah. Maybe a mistake to play up too much the fact that you're trying to go back to that original movie. Yeah. Yep, so I think all three of us would say at least go see it if you're interested and you haven't seen it and you listen to us spoil the entire thing. Yeah, hopefully you didn't listen to all of this <laughs> if you haven't seen it. It's, it's going to be less fun if you listen to yeah. us all the different kills and stuff. Yeah, and I think that's the moral. Just go and watch it and have fun. Don't yeah. think about it too much because when you do, you end up like us talking about all the stuff that we thought was ridiculous and doesn't make any sense uh, but like I said I think I'm going to go see it a second time so that I can watch it without people having conversations over my shoulder the entire time well if you want I'm willing to come and have a conversation over your shoulder just to ruin <laughs> yeah I'll just hold my phone up over my shoulder and you can just talk to me the entire time apparently where you come from it's okay to answer your phone in the theater so oh my god well, the person didn't answer it, but it rang, and they didn't shut their ringer off. It's like how your phone rings, and you can just like hit a button, and it'll stop ringing. No, they just let it go. I think I've had that happen about twice in my entire life, and I felt so embarrassed I could fucking die. Ugh, yeah. I, don't I, pretty much, I pretty much just leave my phone on silent from now on, just so I don't ever forget. My phone has never had the ringer on since I've owned the phone. I still double-check it before everyone. I've only recently, I've only recently convinced myself to stop turning it completely off, just in case. <laughs> yeah, I better power down in case there's a problem, or I roll over, like move in my seat and sit on the volume button or something. <laughs> so, can we all at least agree that the final line was terrible? Uh, I don't remember what it was. When you were a little girl, I know you thought it was a cage, but it's not a cage. It's a trap. <laughs> but it is, it, it is a cage. That's it is, it, it is a cage. It's in, it's in fact a cage that has two, two completely different cages. It's a double cage. It's a double cage cage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that dialogue, I think, needed to be cleaned up. And I don't know if that's like budgetary reasons. Maybe they didn't have as much time to get into stuff like that. Rewrites and that. I don't know. 
I feel like that's one of those things that when they finished filming that scene, I think the director and the writer were both like, yeah, that was sweet. I mean, Danny McBride and uh, David Gordon Green. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's because there were, yeah, and I mean, part of that, that's that line of dialogue, whatever exactly Judy Greer says when she's like, oh, no, whatever you do, don't come get me. And then she's like, gotcha. And then she shoots at Michael and you're like, yeah. That would have been better if you had just kept your mouth shut. If you had just <laughs> just stood at the bottom of the stairs with the gun and waited for him to show up and then shot him, that would have been a better scene if you weren't talking. I agree with that. I think that, well, I don't think the gotcha line, well, the gotcha line should have went. I don't think the the mom, I don't know if I can do it parts that bad with her like crying and then he steps out. But if she would have just gone slack faced and then shot him, it would have been more effective than her going better. Gotcha. I mean, again, I'm still arguing that that character shouldn't have existed. So <laughs> me, me getting into the nitpicky details of which lines she should have said seems unfair. Well, but. I will, I will be devil's advocate and say that line also got a cheer in my movie theater from all the normies. Really? So maybe, maybe if you, I mean, I'm sure. Like, I'm 100 percent confident that many of the normies. Do would hear my complaints and go, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, okay. So maybe, yeah, maybe they, all don't, they all don't have a podcast they need to go home and take notes for. <laughs> so they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So just, just in the interest of fairness, I had a very similar conversation to the one we had tonight, standing in front of the movie theater with a friend of mine from high school. <laughs> so, it's not as though this is just because I'm a podcaster. This is just whatever mental deficiency I have that won't stop thinking during movies. That's that, that's a problem with me. I acknowledge that. I don't blame it on podcasting.